I'm Ray Rogers. And I'm Annie Evans, co-host of today's episode. You're listening to Fix This, a podcast exploring tech ideas and solutions to some of today's largest challenges. Climate change is increasing the frequency and severity of wildfires, floods, droughts, and oppressive heat waves around the world. From continent to continent, wildfires alone are now a global climate issue threatening local communities, wildlife, and air quality. A report from the National Interagency Fire Center announced that as of July 20th, 2022, more than 37,000 wildfires have burned nearly five and a half million acres in the United States alone. Five and a half million acres is a huge number, and it can be really difficult to put that into context. So how can the impact of climate change be made understandable on a personal level? First Street Foundation is a Brooklyn-based research and technology nonprofit on a mission to make climate risk accessible, easy to understand, and actionable for individuals, governments, and industries. First Street facilitates collaborative research to define America's climate risk as it relates to individual properties. And yes, we are talking about your home, the most personal space of all. Flood, fire, heat, and drought are all topics that we may see in the headlines, but First Street aims to bring it to your front door, making the data accessible so that people understand how environmental changes will actually impact them personally. Built on Amazon Web Services, First Street Foundation's risk factor is a suite of tools that include flood factor, heat factor, and fire factor. These tools use past events, current risks, and future projections from peer-reviewed research to run models that can help understand the risk of an individual property and predict future natural disasters. From floods to wildfires, individuals can use risk factor to understand the risk profile of their homes. And that is valuable information that we could all benefit from. Maybe it would influence where you choose to live, but also how you choose to live, from what plants to landscape with, to what materials to use in and around your home. Through the power of shared information and awareness, First Street Foundation aims to bring people peace of mind. To learn more, Ray chatted with Matthew Eby, Chief Executive Officer at First Street Foundation, and Dr. Ed Kearns, Chief Data Officer at the nonprofit. Take a listen. My name is Matthew Eby. I am Dr. Ed Kearns. So at First Street, what we're trying to do is make climate data uh, easy to understand, useful and actionable for citizens, industry, and government. To do that, uh, our main premise is that we try and take this amorphous idea of one degree warming or two degree warming and turn it into actual outcomes that we can expect and tag that to, for the vast majority of us, what is their most valuable asset to their home. So we don't talk about, in general, GHGs or greenhouse gases and emissions. We talk about the physical outcomes of climate change and what it means to where you live in your community and your home. Uh, so that's floods, fire, heat, drought, those physical impacts of climate. What's the likelihood of that impacting you today? And then how will that change over the next 30 years than you know, the typical period of a mortgage uh, here in the United States? So we started modeling floods and I won't get into all the details of it, but by and large, what we created was a nationally available high resolution flood model that could tell you for every home in the country, what's your likelihood of flooding today and how will it change over the next 30 years? And that's great, but the data is only as valuable as the actual use of it. And what we were able to do, uh, one of our major first wins was partner with Realtor.com and have our data integrated into there under something called Flood Factor. So if you go to Realtor.com today, 
uh, you can actually see under the environmental risk section for anyone looking to buy, sell, or rent a home. Uh, you can see what the risks of flooding is, but we've also launched wildfire since then. Uh, we've launched heat. So there's a whole bunch of different perils to give you a full understanding of the risk. On the industry side, we really work with a lot of commercial companies to understand their physical portfolio of real estate. So whether you're an institutional investor like uh, with a, a trillion dollars asset under management like Nuveen, uh, or you're a small engineering firm that's trying to understand the implications of, of physical climate risk to the built environment, our data is very helpful for those folks. And, and that's who we actually partner with and, and uh, commercialize our data with. The government is a source of a lot of the input data that we use uh, to create our models. Uh, and if you're part of the federal government, you've got access to all this information already, uh, right? And so if you want to make uh, informed decisions on, on climate change, if whatever agency you might be, you might think that it's easy to go to NOAA and get this information and be able to use it uh, for your decision making, say if you're with uh, HUD or with uh, FHFA or somebody else. Um, that, but that's demonstrably not true. These data are complicated. It's hard for anybody to use them uh, who's not an expert. And so one of the things we found is that there's a great demand for the, the, the same information that we're serving up to the consumers, but in, in, a, in a bulk form for the entire nation all at once by federal agencies that need to understand this data, again, in a, in a very kind of simple way so they can do the economic analysis or portfolio analysis that they've got to do uh, in response to their federal missions. My last couple of years with the federal government, I was really focused on trying to provide the large volumes of government data to industry and to the public in a way that made them easily accessible. And that's only one part of the, of the challenge here. So. One of the things I was realizing in working on these different projects to get the data out into the public is that NOAA, we had like 40 petabytes of observational data, 250 petabytes of model data, uh, and everybody wanted to get their hands on it, but being able to, to change them into something that's more easily understandable, that you don't need to have a PhD in atmospheric science or oceanography or climatology in order to make use of them. And so, um, you know, that that's what First Street is is doing is it's approaching this as a as a as a data integration issue of bringing the, all these data sources into into models that can then create very simply consumable products and it really opens the door for many more applications yeah and then I'd, I'd say the other thing that's um that's really difficult that we've been able to spend a lot of time on is turning that type of data that you're talking about from exposure data uh, into consequence data. And what I mean by that is exposure data being uh, how likely is something to happen? Uh, how likely is water to make it to my building? How likely is wildfire to reach my home? Uh, and how likely am I to be in a heat wave or experience an extreme heat day to then turn that into consequences? If that happens, then you will see $45,000 of damage to your home and it'll take 10 days to fix it. If that happens, you can expect that there will be health consequences from the heat wave and 0.3% uh, of the population will be admitted to an ER. You know, those types of things where you're able to take the exposure and turn it into consequence and have real meaning is kind of the sweet spot that we found over time that not only just the general individual or your average citizen can understand what this means to them now, but then you can actually aggregate and look at portfolio risk and have these insights that, that weren't possible. Um, when you're just talking about the data in general uh, generalities like Ed was talking about. 
to the average person, the, 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 the question is, well, okay, so what does that mean for me? Uh, and Matt's exactly right. At First Street, we're, we're drilling down to answering that question for individuals. Why focus on real estate specifically? The interesting part about real estate is that it makes it real for everyone. And because everyone lives somewhere in their rented home, their owned home, uh, in their general locality. But without that, uh, that tag to the thing that matters to them, for the vast majority of us, the most valuable asset that we have in, in our portfolio, uh, it becomes this non-personalized impact. So as Ed's mentioning, uh, you know, what does two degrees Celsius warmer mean? Well, I probably don't even know what two degrees Celsius is in Fahrenheit as first. And then it's not telling me about the tail events that happen. And what I mean by tail events is if the average is moving up two degrees, that means the more extreme far out events happen more frequently. And when I apply that to the individual home of where you live, and I talk about what this means for your health metrics, what it means for your air conditioning and cost to cool your home, cooling degree days. It's the same as talking about the likelihood of flooding to your home and how that'll change over the next 30 years or increase by 2x or whatever the number might be for your individual home. It personalizes this. It makes takes it out of the amorphous and makes it relevant to the individual in a way that's tangible. How is the cloud helping you to scale your work, both literally when running these massive models, but also scale in the sense of communicating out these findings to the general public and to all of those that you're working with? Yeah, so the, one of the great things about the cloud, of course, is, is that we can change the scale as we need it. So um, what we're able to do for one property, as Matt was saying, with a focus on, on real estate, you know, going property by property across the U.S., and the cloud gives us that flexibility to do that, that kind of horizontal scaling. So we created processes so that we can do uh, a statistical assessment of each property uh, separately. And we can we can farm that out to the to the commercial cloud, and we can we can do those calculations uh, as rapidly as we can afford. Our web services run run on top of uh, AWS cloud, uh, you know, communicating this information out. We get great response times on our on our riskfactor.com website. So it's very very flexible and allows us to meet the needs of our consumers. What role does the cloud play in terms of testing, experimentation, and innovation at First Street? Being able to iterate and work on certain areas, uh, you know, we have to. We don't have to do the entire country every time we run uh, one of our models, but we we tend to focus on certain areas and, and learn our way into it. So we learn how to do it very well in one area. Uh, say like with wildfire in California, we focused on California, get California right, and then we can move across to the rest of the country. Um, and then once we put this information out there, we continue to iterate and make it better and better and better. We use feedback from from our users, whether it's a uh, a wildfire scientist or a hy uh, hydrologist or water manager um, in their local communities, we get feedback from them and we get new data from them. We're able to uh, recompute our model for their particular area with that new information and make the model more and more accurate as we continue to get more and more users come on board. With wildfire risk, uh, we are able to calculate the likelihood of uh, flame to make it to your home from a wildfire and the size of that flame, the height of it, so a measure of intensity. Uh, but then you present that to users and they say, well, I have no idea what that means. Uh, does this mean my home is destroyed or does this mean it's slightly damaged? And then we're able to say, well, let's figure out how we could calculate that. And we can work with big partners like the engineering firm Arup that is uh, so helpful with that type of data and one of our great partners to then apply an individual calculation 
to each individual home based on its home characteristics to know how combustible it is. And then within you know a day, we have national data sets applying those has or those calculations to each individual home. Sometimes there's gaps in our understanding of a particular structure or a particular property. Uh, we use machine learning methods to fill in those gaps uh, until we find uh, you know other better information. Um, and that allows us to create those kind of very personalized products that Matt was just describing. What are some of the newest services and products that First Street is offering? Under the riskfactor.com uh, website, we have Flood Factor, we have Fire Factor, and now we have Heat Factor. Those are the three that we've done since our initial launch in, uh, in June of 2020. And now the next fun stuff that we're working on, and we try to say, stay upbeat because a lot of people think of us as the, the doom and gloom business, but uh, we have an air factor coming, which is a measure of smoke. So from wildfires, when they're producing all of that smoke in the area, wildfires may not make it to your home. It's very unlikely uh, actually that that would happen. It's much more likely that you would flood, but it's very likely that you would have poor air quality days in certain parts of the country. And how will that change over the next 30 years? Uh, how does ozone uh, change? So uh, measures of, again, air quality that can then be brought into the smoke measurements with something called particulate matter 2.5 and pollen. So all of these things contributing into your overall air quality uh, around your home uh, will be launching soon, along with things like drought. So the extreme drought that we're going through right now in parts of the country, how do we expect that to continue on? How is that going to impact uh, the water supplies at your home? or wind, you know, a lot of the damage that actually comes from, from hurricanes is from wind events. So uh, it's not necessarily a storm surge flooding your home, but winds uh, knocking shingles off your roof or breaking your windows or whatever it might be. So those are the types of things that we're going to continue to model along with the implications of it. What gives you hope as you dive deeper into communicating all of this information out so that people become more aware and more empowered? To, to not have information, that's where I become pessimistic. If I, if I can't know something, if it's totally unpredictable, that's what, that's, that, then I, I, have, you know, I have a feeling of, oh, what, what, what can I possibly do? But in this case, uh, the, the indications are clear. The data are clear. Uh, and there's clear actions that can, be, that, that can be taken. Some of them are relatively inexpensive, too. So like from a wildfire perspective, for example, right, there's things that an individual homeowner can do to, to really reduce the risk that their home will be lost in a wildfire, uh, and, it's, and those things aren't too expensive, whether it's clearing uh, vegetation from around your home or, or putting metal screens on your soffit vents or whatever it might be, these things are relatively inexpensive. It can really drastically reduce the probability of, your, of losing your house in a wildfire. And to me, that, I'm very optimistic about that. I'm like, great, that's actionable information. Without the data, we're flying blind. And what we like to think is that we're illuminating uh, the, the severity of the problem, the location of the problem, and more importantly, what you would need to fix those problems. So uh, we can then have a very logical conversation about the cost of protecting certain areas and whether that is cost prohibitive or whether it would be smarter um, to put some infrastructure in place to protect them. Uh, those are the types of trade-offs that you can start to make with this type of data, whether you're at the individual home level, should I be investing X into preventative measures for flooding or should I just be purchasing a, a risk transfer product, as it's called, an insurance product, knowing that I want to live beside the beach because it's beautiful? I should just be protecting that home with an insurance product to ensure that I'm 
I'm okay if you know the the inevitable happens. Um, so those types of things are are what we like to to focus in on um, from a, a an impact perspective. There's solutions out there. The data, as Ed is saying, is available. It's just on us to now try and uh, find those common grounds to get into the actual solution side of it. The most important thing that any American can do is understand their personal level of risk from climate change being these physical elements like heat, flood, wildfire that we've been discussing today. And the best way to do that is, is by going to riskfactor.com and typing in your address. But being smart about it, it's not just your individual home, but what you can see with the data that we present there is whether there's other residential properties or commercial properties or critical infrastructure or social infrastructure in your community that's at risk. And so what are you doing to try and prevent these catastrophic events from happening and protecting them today, but also planning for the future on how you can mitigate and adapt uh, to these things that are coming. And so those, those elements and the data that we provide within there are critical. And it's not just about your, your individual home, as I'm saying, and kind of how can I make the best uh, case to protect my home? It's how can you do the best to protect your community, your county or your state overall and ensure that you're going in the right direction? You know, the way that First Street is going about this uh, with what we call an open science approach, right, where everything we're doing is open and transparent. Uh, we do want the science to be understood by by everybody. We're, we're not we're not hiding any of our methods. We're not hiding our any special secret sauce or anything. We're trying to explain the science, which is a complicated science, uh, climate change, wildfire, flood. It, it, it's all complicated science. But we're trying to distill it down into models in such a way that it could be understood by by anybody. And we publish all of our methods out on our, on our websites as well, so people can understand where these numbers come from. And I really do think that you know, uh, assembling the best available science that we're doing right now, putting it out there in an understandable way, uh, helps people have trust and confidence in the information we're providing as well. A lot of government agencies also roll in the same way with an open science. We're just carrying it that extra step further and further down towards the individual consumer, uh, which is a hard thing for, for governments to do. But it's something that First Street, this is, a, this is our target. If you liked today's episode on creating actionable data on climate change, listen back to episode 60 to hear how Carbon Cure uses AWS to turn data into insights so that it can help customers reduce embodied carbon from concrete and new construction. And remember to join the conversation on social media with hashtag FixThisByAWS. A huge thank you to our guests, Matthew and Ed, and thank you for tuning in. If you like today's show, please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share. We'll be here on the next one.